Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along, check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to another Rahalaspert this week with the amazing James Acaster. It's a cracker, I can tell you that. Rahalaspert is coming to the Edinburgh Fringe from the 2nd to the 25th of August at the Newtown Theatre at 1.30pm, not Mondays. Tickets are already on sale. Go to richhang.com slash gigs for details. Also, the Kickstarter for Rahalastapa Series 15 is going okay. We're two-thirds of the way to the target with about a week and a bit to go. We need you to help us. If you've listened to these podcasts over the years and never contributed, uh, or you just want some of the fantastic rewards you can get to be an executive producer of Rahalastapa, you can get... Uh, videos of me playing snooker or stone clearing and you can get some fantastic t-shirts the designs of which should be up to see very soon please support us it'll be a terrible tragedy if we don't get to the target because of course we get none of the money then uh, and we do need to fund all the stuff that we've already filmed and to decide if we're going to carry on filming them um but thanks for the amazing support you've given us uh, it's very moving and humbling and wonderful. All right, let's sit back, relax. And I mean that. Uh, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm under a duvet trying to record this. I hope the sound's a bit better than last week. All right, enjoy this stupid podcast. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who thought his last, last podcast at the Leicester Square Theatre might be his last one, and you're about to find out why. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Tripping over all over the place. Hello, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Oh, you're lovely. Welcome. Welcome to Richard Herring's long sleeve t shirt podcast. That's what it is. That's all about. 
Every guest is going to have a long sleeve T-shirt on, and all we're going to talk about is long sleeve T-shirts. That is the new. I forgot to wear a long sleeve T-shirt, so that's right from the start. So that spoiled it. Uh, I was hanging around with the independent group uh... <laughs> today. It was actually, and uh, this is this podcast isn't going to go out for about two months, and the people at home probably won't remember what that is. That's my guess. <laughs> and uh, Mike Gapes. He calls it Rehalestava. I don't know. Chuck, Chuck Amana won't call it that. He says he's too cool to call it that. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, last week, this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm not sure this is a fit subject uh, for, for, for podcasting, but I was going to talk about it last week, but I was scared. Because last before the David Morrissey uh, uh, podcast, uh, last week here at the Les Square Theatre, um, and you're much better than last week's audience already. I'm telling you know. Uh, I went to do a wee just before the sh- podcast started, like seconds to go on stage. And I, I started doing a wee, and then I noticed there was blood coming out of my penis in, in the wee. And I thought, fuck, I've got like, that's bad, right? That's, a, that's generally a bad sign. And so I then had to come straight on stage and do the David Morrissey podcast. I thought, shall I talk about the fact that I've. I mean, David Morrissey will probably say, we should stop the podcast. There's blood, you're bleeding wee. That's, uh, so all, if you watch that podcast or listen to it, do bear in mind, all the way through, I thought I am about to die, but I, I'm so professional. I'm so professional, I did the podcast. Even though, you know, that, that could have been the valuable hour of my, that saved me if I'd just got to hospital. I thought, no, the podcast must come first. My children would understand. Um, when I got off stage, I went back to the toilet and I realised um, I'd, I'd somehow nicked my foreskin and the blood had just seeped down. I mean, I'm four, 51 years old and I got to the point where I can cut my penis and not notice. That is, that is how... <laughs> so that was something of a relief. But... Um... I am very old. I don't know, you probably passed outside. There's a Prince Charles cinema next door, which is a great cinema. It shows loads of fantastic cult films. They have an offer on that is uh, it's £10 membership a year or £50 for lifetime membership. And I look at that and go, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure what the better value is there. I don't want to be... I don't want to be caught out. Anyway, so... Um, got nothing for next week's podcast for the, uh, the opening. That is, that's all the stand-up... Luckily, I've got a new uh, prop. <laughs> we might save that for next week. Uh, so, my guest this week is best known uh, for being William Strawberry, uh, the drummer of the Capri Sun Quartet. That is why we are here, hoping he'll do a bit of drumming for us. We'll see if he'll play some of those old hits. Ladies and gentlemen, it's James Acaster! <laughs> Thank you very much. Welcome. Welcome back. Sit. Sit down. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've bought a water and there's, there's water. There's water, but, you know, you might need... Sometimes oh. it's a two-water show, this one. Already getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what a laugh. He's wearing a long-sleeve T-shirt. That is, uh, that's the good news. That's the good news for the new Rahalastapa. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well done. What a bunch of nerds. They're very... <laughs> <laughs> They're all here to see you for some reason. So, um, 
don't know if we talked about your music career very much in the in the past. Maybe we have. I don't know. We've been, you've been sure on the once before, and you did the very good Edinburgh Fringe podcast in 2017, I think. So it's a couple Great of years fun. since we've seen Enjoyed you. Yeah. Uh, what was the Cap? How, what kind of music was the Capri Sun? Capri Sun Quartet was folk funk, <laughs> and uh, I was the drummer, Sir, Sir William Strawberry. Oh, I beg your pardon. Thank you, pardon. Our names were. So we took our middle names as our first name and a flavour of Capuson as the surname. Okay. So I was William Strawberry. I didn't know they did a strawberry crack. Capuson. Yeah, they did. We were big into them at the time. Oh, really? So we knew all the flavours. Um, <laughs> Jacqueline Orange was the singer. Um, Wild Jane Berry was the keyboard player. And Ross Current was the, um, the bassist. It was my friend Graham was Ross Current. And uh, he, was, uh, <laughs> he changed it to Ross... So we, we also had T-shirts on. Um, so it was plain white T-shirts that we had written on and drawn like pictures of strawberries and written Sir William. And we all wrote our names across our T-shirt. And he had written Ross Current, but then had written Event underneath it. So it was, he's a current event. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand that at all. And he was like, it's, it's punk. <laughs> Ross, Ross Current Event. And then he wrote here, this just in. <laughs> he's still one of my best friends. I love him. I don't understand that, though. I still don't understand it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a punk group, you say, as you said. No, but like, either, he probably didn't say it was punk, but either way, <laughs> Ross Current Event was the name <laughs> that he wanted to go by because he thought Ross Current on its own didn't sound cool enough. <laughs> it's better. It's better, I think. Better. Ross, Ross Current. Ross Current. Um, well. We, and then we became the Capri Sun Quintet, and I didn't actually like that. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Added a Sarah Tropical. <laughs> So we were both pooing backstage at the same time. We were. Yeah. <laughs> I gave you permission you? to talk about it that. I said you can. But my what idea. is interesting, because we'd had a conversation backstage, and you can watch backstage interviews if you become a badger or a dripster and you get access to the backstage interviews. We talked about the fact that the toilet in there... Yeah. Uh, is like a bit too close to the room. Yeah, it's to, like, it's like to, that to, was the toilet. Yeah, that's, so the, that's the room. It's a very small it's dressing right room, there. and the toilet's right there. And you feel if you're pooing in there, that's a bit rude to the person who might be in the in the actual dressing room. Mm. I, did you know I was going to leave the room, or did you? Yeah. Did, so what so happened you, was you went in. I went I'm in to wee. sort my braces out. Okay. Yeah. I'm 34 years old. Yeah. Uh, and I went to sort out my braces. Yeah. And then I came out, and you'd gone, and I thought. This has played into my hands very nicely. Went <laughs> back in and did yeah. a shit. And then when I came out, you came back and you just, you know, as most people would, you just announced, I've just done a poo. <laughs> and I said, well, I've just done a poo as well. We were probably pooing at the same time. We probably were. And then, for a laugh, I went, we can talk about that during the interview, if you like. And I thought, he probably won't bring that up. But, I haven't uh, got that much to talk to you about because we've, yeah, sure, we've done it we've, before, so I thought just let's yeah, talk about that. I've only lived so much of a life. <laughs> <laughs> Why not play on the things that just happened? I was in a different toilet. I wasn't pooing in the dressing room. We're back to back. <laughs> Come on. You can find out what happened with me pooing, trying to wee in the same room as Peter Lord if you look at those backstage <laughs> interviews uh, as well. I already know. Yeah. <laughs> So, lots has been going on for you. Uh, let's talk about uh, hypothetical, first of all. This is an amazing idea for... Uh, for some... So, you're just like... Some of you come up with questions that are, yeah. like, weird. Yeah. 
adequate, and then you ask them to people and see what they yeah. say. It's a yeah. really good idea. Um, <laughs> where'd, you, yeah. where'd you get that? Where'd you get that idea? How did you come up with that crazy idea? Yeah. Uh, well, it's something we've all been doing our whole lives, right? So, <laughs> it's just a lazy format, really. It is. <laughs> For anyone who's done it at any point, it's a lazy <laughs> format. Anyone who claims to have invented it, I would say, is a madman. <laughs> As it, what kind of things do you do in there? What kind of questions do you ask on the uh, show? in that book. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> Work our way through that. <laughs> My character on it is called Hitchard Red. <laughs> There's two more books there. If you want to get those books, as yeah, well. I can send some out the back. I've got a cash machine. Um, <laughs> I say uh, you, you have to stop the JFK assassination. Um, yeah. How do you do it? And the only catch is that you're a cat. That's one of the ones. We <laughs> well, I mean, it depends, doesn't it? it depends on what. what oh, I you forgot. As a cat. I forgot. I was asking the master. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on what the cat believes yes. and who the perpetrator... Has the cat travelled back so in time think, so knows that... So you think you've turned into a uh, just a random cat and you now possess the cat's emotions and political agenda and <laughs> yeah. thoughts and it's not you in the body of a cat. Yeah. You think I've now taken on everything about this cat. Uh, yeah. Um, but I still know that I have to stop the JFK assassination. But do you know what happened in the JFK? So you're a time-travelling yes. cat... I think the way I inter- it's up to interpretation. Yeah. I, I I think you still got your own mind. You know that JFK gets assassinated, and you want to stop it. And yeah. You've got a human mind, but you're in a cat's body. But if you would, if you interpret it as you become a cat, <laughs> and the, everything that comes with that, yeah. in terms of comprehension and everything, yeah. and you have to stop it, then by all means, attempt to answer the question. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But even if the cat is aware of future events, the cat doesn't know whether the, the fatal shot came from the grassy knoll or the book Well, that's the thing. Yeah, see, this, is, this is why we chose that yeah. of all the events. So I, you've think, really got to... I think what I would do, I would get a ball of... I'd go in a, a couple of days early. Yeah. I would get a ball of wool... Are you at Dealey Plaza at this point? I'm, you... I'm in the book depository. Okay, yeah. First of all, I would just get that, I'd put it all in the window that I know the Lee Harvaz, yeah, so I'd just tangle it up in the window so Lee yeah. Harvaz gets there, gets yes. his gun ready, and I goes, oh, fuck, oh, and then he's, yeah. you know, <laughs> he'll try and poke it through, yeah. but that's, you know, he's not going to be able to see a thing. It's not too accurate. So he can't yeah. shoot. That's good. So that's that one done. Number one, utilise your skills as a cat yeah. and bring a wallet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's very good. On the other one, yeah. I would go on the grassy knoll and I'd let, I'd let out a big cat pheromone fart oh yeah uh, all the I ate all the randy cats I'd oh. be a female cat yeah all the randy cats and also that. a lot of angry dogs oh, yeah. would rush the grassy knoll mm-hmm. and anyone attempting to shoot would be taken you're out. not getting your job done then if there's okay. loads of randy animals having a <laughs> some sorted sorted fart orgy uh, yeah I think that would work. Richard. Okay, cool. Thanks. You got, you, you've uh, you've used both. Not think about just getting me on as a uh, as a panelist. Too old. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> What's the oldest person who's been on uh, hypothetical? I don't know. Here, Shah. 
Um, no, uh, I don't know. What is, who is the oldest person who's been on it? Um, it might be someone like maybe John Richardson's the oldest. Wow, that's, he's not even Imagine. really old. He's young to me. Yeah. That's the thing, we're getting older. Uh, more people seem young the older you get. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Insightful. Thank you. Talking of other things I'm not invited on, you're on Taskmaster. I just the, uh, the new the new the new team of Taskmaster was announced today. I saw, I saw Dave's was, tweet. Yeah. You know, tomorrow you're going to find out the whole fingers crossed. It's you thought it might be you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just tweet me. Go turn up. Be good tomorrow. if that's how it works. Yeah. If not, even the people doing it knew until they tweeted. I'm doing Taskmaster. This might be a task right now. <laughs> It'd be good because then they'd have to go. Shit, I've got to do it. Or I, yeah. no, I'm not. In, I'm not particularly interested in taking. Why didn't you think of asking me before you announced it? Would you still block it out in your diary? Just yeah, in do case. just in yeah, case. Yeah. Well, Every it's year. very empty. Yeah. I've actually been fired from the one job I had this year, so <laughs> that it wasn't self-generated. So you know, it's fine. I'm available for work. Um, not on a Monday night, though. It's Monday. <laughs> Those Mondays all gone. How, how, I think you're sort of the perfect Taskmaster contestant. Oh, you, thank you. Do you not you. think so? Uh, yes. Yeah, good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> but you're, you're the right level of uh, pedantic. and uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. As charged. Yeah. <laughs> and, you and know, I think stupid. you've got that kind of mind, that lateral thinking. Yeah, but also, uh, you know, I'm not good enough at that stuff to, to ace it. So, you know, I found that I, on day one of doing the tasks, they get you in a house and you do like, you know, about five tasks in a day. And, you know, they get you back in the time. And uh, so I do about five tasks. And um, on day one, I'd nailed one. And two, I'd absolutely like just screwed so badly. And they'd gone awfully. So like uh, by the end of the day one, I kind of knew what the lay of the land was and how well I was going to do or not do throughout the whole series. So going into the studio, because you're in the studio at the end, we've done all the tasks, you go all in the studio together and uh, people were sitting there, all five of us, and they're like, oh, see how we've done? And me and Phil Wang were like, we know how we've done. (laughs) (laughs) We're fine. We don't need to find any of this out. (laughs) <laughs> but, yeah. Phil Wang was extraordinary in so many ways in that series. He was. He was amazing. What was uh, really great, I did the group task with him as well. Yeah. And um, that was right at the end. So we'd done all of our tasks on our own, and then it was uh, group task day. And Phil, if you haven't seen it, for the whole series, Phil wears a onesie that is based on Bruce Lee's Game of Death outfit. And you can just clearly see his cock and balls <laughs> for the whole series. Very, very clear and yes. pronounced. And... Um, me and Rod Gilbert were on a team with him and we turned up on, on the team task day and uh, as soon as we met, you know, bumped into Phil, we were like, have you been wearing that the whole time? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And we're like, dude, like, it's amazing that you've done that. That's like, really, I mean, what, are they going to pixelate it? And he was a bit unsure as to what we were referring to. <laughs> well, you can see your dick. <laughs> and... And then it was much more... So, all day he was kind of a bit more self-conscious. We're like, oh, dude, you honestly didn't know about this? We thought that was the joke. It's like, no, I thought it was a cool outfit. <laughs> wow. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, he was so funny. I, yes. I, I felt very lucky to be on it with the four people I was on with. It was a great line. I'm not like the rubbish they got this time. <laughs> sure. So... <laughs> <laughs> Tad both of the fuckers on this... 
250 quid each. I thought that'll grease a few wheels. <laughs> <laughs> they have an old one on that one as well. They have one old one. Yeah. Oh, especially if, if you watch this next series, one of the tasks is grease a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> So let's see what else we could do. There's a lot to talk about. You're also doing... Let's talk about your uh, food-based podcast, Off Menu. Off Menu. With Ed Gamble, yeah? (laughs) Some fans in of this. Thank you very much. It's quite a new podcast. You've done about 12 episodes as we go to air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming out weekly. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I I didn't expect anyone to listen to it. And it's nice that they have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Me and Ed just talk about food all the time anyway. And so uh, I think yeah, we just talked about like, doing a podcast about food for a while. And then eventually we just realised that a lot of the time, uh, the way we think about food is like building our dream meals and what's the best start you've ever had, what's the best main. And so we just thought we'd just do that with guests. And uh, it's amazing, yeah, how many people <laughs> quite enjoy talking about that as well. Yeah, it is interesting. So you start thinking through yeah. and working out what you would go for. I won't tell you now, James, just because, in case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, though, the, what, the main cause I did think of, yeah. which is weird because it came, it comes, and it's good if you've got like a story around it. But the, my favourite main course I ever had was lobster and mashed potato, which I had oh. in a, on a holiday in Barbados yeah. on the beach. I had it every single day of that holiday. Yeah. And it was generally the nicest lobster I ever had. It was just a delicious meal in the middle of the worst holiday I've right, ever yes. had. That but, affects it. Yeah, but so that, but why I'm going back to that? I went with a girl that um, was crazy. Yeah, uh, she'd. Uh, We've been going out for a while. A couple of months before we broke up, she told me she believed that the Holocaust had happened as punishment for the Jews killing Jesus. <laughs> Somehow the relationship continued after that. <laughs> What I love about that, that whole story you just told is yeah. that um, at one point you said oh, I was going out with a girl who was crazy and everyone in the audience went, hmm, back off here, Richard. <laughs> and then you said that and then everyone went, crazy's a little bit light. <laughs> <laughs> you went easy on her there, but you called I her mean, crazy. Yeah. Said, I do semi. And uh, <laughs> as it transpired, the yeah. day before, she would been, she'd sort of, we had this holiday and we'd had a big argument the day before we went on holiday. As it transpired, she'd been with her ex-boyfriend mm. the night before we went on holiday and, and he proposed to her. <laughs> she was spending the holiday thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Be in your mind. It gets in your head. <laughs> ringing him up from yeah. the phone in Barbados. Yeah. And this is how I cracked this case. She <laughs> rang him. She was ringing him. I was paying the phone bill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the holiday that during the holiday I went paddling in the sea, got knocked over by a wave, hit my head, and one of my testicles swelled to four times its size. <laughs> on the on the plane journey home, it acted like an altometer. I could tell I could tell what height we were based on how much my testicle hurt. Did you show her? Did you show her your swelling? I did testicle? show. Her, yeah. So there what was, I love about that is that while she was looking at that swollen testicle, she definitely would have been thinking about the proposal. She <laughs> and uh, got home, sort of didn't... We broke up the minute we got home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Al Murray, funnily enough, soon, who, who you, both parties said, oh, did you hear about her getting proposed to? I said, no. And then I went through the phone 
call all the phone numbers that had rung from the hotel and rang them all and found out she that most of them were to, were to him. <laughs> said, Hello, who's that? Goes, it's Simon. Yeah, okay, bye. Yeah. Uh, and so that was pretty. Five minutes. That was pretty bad. And but the the lobster and um, <laughs> the lobster and uh, mashed potato was really nice. That was delicious. It was really nice. Often, yeah, yeah. food that, like, that sticks with you because yeah, it was such an awful time. Yeah. It was the little sunshine through the clouds for a bit for you. And this lobster and mashed potato. To make it even worse, the chef who cooked that lobster and mashed potato for me died in a road accident about three years later. So Did he actually? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, it's like a... It's a well, terrible... We'll be in touch, Richard. <laughs> it's, a ter- <laughs> it's a terrible... Terrible cursed meal. Do a good uplifted episode. <laughs> but you know, I'll always remember that lobster and mashed potato. Yeah. And what better way? Always remember the lobster and the mashed potato. <laughs> better way to remember him. <laughs> That's what my main course would be if you want to know any of the others. Yeah. You're going <laughs> well, no, to have to book me. Blood curdling stories go with the other <laughs> courses that you've got. Watch the body count rise as the podcast progresses. Oh dear. And uh, it's very good. Anyway. It's a very good podcast. You've Thank got you. excellent guests. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was listening, but then on my dog walk this morning, I did mention this backstage. I was listening yes. to your uh, Fubar radio podcast from a few years ago, uh, where you, which was a really good idea. And you've told me Thank that you. it's not gonna, nothing's going to happen with it. Of, yeah. uh, in, it's sort of like Desert Island Discs uh, in random form, in that you get someone's iPod. And you shuffle it, and then yep. that's the music in the radio show, the shuffled iPod. Yeah, we talk about what comes up on shuffle. You can't try and look cool. And uh, we just talk about what... And, and a lot of the time, if they did it properly and did shuffle it, we got really good chats out of it, because yeah. it it's a spontaneous reaction, and, and they would like have something to say on everything. But if they cheated, yeah. you could always tell. Lembert Opic? I don't know if Lembert Opic cheated, because he's so off the wall anyway that it was impossible to... I didn't know what way was up by the end of that. That was... Um, <laughs> That was the All first one. Place. That was your opening episode of that. Yeah, it, I was in at the deep end I see, immediately. I, I, it's an hour long. I listened to it on my dog walk this morning, and yes. I was left second. Yeah, by Lembert Opic. Yeah, well, I, I have to listen to it again and uh, refresh my memory properly. But I remember um, the producer who used to book the show um, on a weekly basis apologised to me for that book. <laughs> I mean, what's sickening about him is he thought it was going great and he thought he yeah. was lovely. Go, oh, lovely, charming, Lemba Opic. Yeah. You had two female callers on the show with, do, doing the same thing, shuffling their yep. iPod. Both of them he sort of hit on really crudely, like really yeah. unpleasantly. Yeah. Uh, he was clearly lying about every single thing he said. And, oh, absolutely. And, try, yeah. and doing the Lemba Opic, I'll do the funnies, that which you've... If you remember, he mentioned the gig I saw him at, which was right. he did a gig at the, in a little club around the corner from here where he tried to be a stand-up comedian for a week. Yes, he did. And he said, yeah, I was brilliant. He was not brilliant. <laughs> a guy heckled him and he said, he said, hey, I'll do the funnies. <laughs> I went, mate, you're Lembit Opic. I'm like, hey, I'm like, comedians get heckled, but be you're Lembit Opic. You're not, yeah. you can't stand there and go, I'll do the funnies. Also, you've got to be doing the funnies at the time. <laughs> you've got to be doing some funnies. To justify that response. You do. If someone's going, you're 
fucking shit, mate. It yeah. I'll do the funnies, thank you. It was, I in a way, it was, it was like being in the psychiatrist's chair for me, that, 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 for him, you know, in the, yeah, in the, sure. that interview, because you just sort of got a real insight to this guy who's oh. obsessed with himself. Yeah. He's lying all the time, because he goes, yeah. oh, well, what are they called? Oh, it, do, uh, tweet in if you know to at Lembit Opic, yeah. uh, and then... Two seconds later, he's Googling something else on his phone. You go, why don't you just Google it? Shop. It'd be a good podcast, actually, if it was like Lemba Opic and a psychiatrist or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. And every episode, he's because he would say yes to that, because he would think, oh, nothing to hide, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. And then a psychiatrist would be going, I'm going to be famous by the end of this. <laughs> this is... And every episode is just breaking him down more and more and just paying about the lies. And he was doing the same thing to you. you got, you're on a podcast with James A. Castor, admittedly in 2014, when you not that big a deal, but you're still, you've been nominated for the award a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. You know, you're, pretty, fu- you're a pretty funny guy. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to top you, he was trying to mock you for the... Yeah. He clearly got his iPod. He said, he said at the beginning, oh, there's an issue with my iPod. There's an issue with my iPod, so I yeah. bought in this other... I've got this other device that can only store five songs, and we'll put that on shuffle. Oh, the Beatles again. <laughs> but then they were, because he was really proud that Natalie and Bruglia had come up going, yeah, see, I'm cool. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't Natalie and Bruglia, because Natalie and Bruglia, I would have given that to him and been like, yeah, that is cool, actually. It was something else. He went, tune, cool. <laughs> it was like, dude, you're not cool for playing this. <laughs> and then there was Steptoe and Son at one point, yeah. which I just think was a calculated... It was him going, oh, they won't believe me. You know, yeah. I have to have something embarrassing come up, so I'll put the theme tune to Steptoe and Son, which is... <laughs> so it's not too embarrassing, is it? Like, yeah. And he had a story about how... He had a whole story about it. He said, I must have taken that off YouTube. He said... Was, yeah. <laughs> lying man, listen to it. It's the most amazing imagine interview. Going, that... Imagine going on a podcast about songs and lying. <laughs> oh, I better lie. So you know you're not a trustworthy guy. And my, uh, during listening to that podcast, my dog's uh, paw, which had had a wound, the wound opened up again, and so I was walking a dog with a bleeding paw as well. That sport, my enjoyment as well. During that, did you happen to have a nice side dish that you want to talk about? <laughs> I blame you. So you're the connection. Um, do you recognise this review and knew who, you know, who said this review of you? There we go. He's not for everyone, yeah. but he works hard. It's my, da- it's my dad. It's your dad. <laughs> Very pleased with himself. <laughs> he didn't mean it as a cheeky thing. He yeah. meant that at face value. Uh, and it went viral. And then he became a Twitter moment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I saw him the day after, because, like, uh, I visited my family the day after and uh, all day he was on his phone updating me on I've got this many followers now, I've got this many followers it was quite quite excited actually and he said he still has quite a few of those followers yeah um, and I was I was quite worried that when he got all those followers because I thought you know any, anyone would be mm-hmm. if their parents suddenly got a lo- huge amount of followers on Twitter but uh, he's, he's done well actually yeah he's been pretty good with his tweets <laughs> Nothing has, there's been nothing that's made me go, oh my God. So yeah, I kind of think he's maybe cut out for this game. I'm if he gonna... becomes a celebrity, then you can tour the world with him, do a show. Do like a travel that. log show. Yeah. And, uh, just, I mean, that's inevitable at some point, isn't it? it? Is. Travelling with a, with a parent. <laughs> Good, it's nice. You do work hard. You do work hard. I do work hard. You do work hard. I'll give you that much. Not for everyone, but he works hard. <laughs> you know who that describes? Every comedian. <laughs> 
apparently on stand alone. <laughs> <laughs> so look, your stand up. I mean, it's it's gone crazy, hasn't it? Even since last time I spoke to you, the Netflix stuff, all of the shows, mm. the quadrilogy of uh, shows has gone up, and more to come, I think, aren't there? Yeah, well, I don't know. Hopefully, there'll be more to come. But yeah, those four have gone up, and uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Hand on heart. <laughs> really, really <laughs> well, You talk about 2017 being a bad year in your personal life. Yes. You did get four yes. Netflix specials. I addressed that in the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Professional life in 2017 was very good. Personally, I was falling apart. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, those specials, I'm so proud of them. But when we were filming them, I was literally... So we filmed all four of them in a day. And uh, then we filmed all four of them again the next day for safety. And the first day... So we had half an hour in between each one. A bit longer, I think, between the second and third one. Um, but I'd go on, do the show, and then, because of my own personal stuff I was going for at the time, I'd go on, do the show, and then come off, and then just sit there like that in the wings. <laughs> they get changed, and they come on again. <laughs> and that was, like, the whole day. So, like, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a... It was a weird time, uh, just for me in general. I was doing the most exciting thing I'd done professionally, but also uh, was thinking, after these, I'm going to quit. Right. And that was how I got through. Like, the only reason I did them and I could do them and deliver them well is because I was thinking, you're going to quit after this, so it's okay. Wow. Like, you don't have to keep doing this <laughs> afterwards. So you do this now, and this is a last hurrah, and it'll be fun, and then you can quit. And then probably something in the back of my mind even further going, you won't quit. And so I had that extra comfort yeah. in the subconscious, being like, you're not going to quit, it's all right. But just keep telling yourself you're going to quit. Because otherwise, you're going to cry on stage. Uh, so, like, that kind of got me. So you've broken up with the, your girlfriend. But my girlfriend didn't take it very well. Started having suicidal thoughts. And yeah. then my, uh, I was having... During the, the time when I was doing these... Filming those specials, uh, I was just having quite a turbulent time with my agent. He hadn't dropped me yet. But he did drop me after that. Right. But, uh, but like, at that point, we were going through quite... Uh, uh, we were not getting on, and I was very stressed out. And I'm sure he was as well. But uh, That's I, an odd um, decision to drop for him to drop you at the stage where you've just done four Netflix specials. So imagine <laughs> how much of an arsehole I was. Obviously, my story is that I'm not, but <laughs> who cares? Well, it's a shame. If they'd been filming that, that could have been like an art project. If they'd filmed the backstage as well, so you could have had the... Yeah. And then just you coming up, just, just half an hour of you looking suicidal in a room. Just staring. Having to then work you... I'd quite like to see that. Yeah. As a, a Netflix special. Just yeah. having to psych yourself. I'm not saying anything, just psyching yourself yeah. up internally to go back and do the next yeah. one. Go, go, go out and then and fade out. Fade out. You're coming out. Yeah, yeah, be good. Yeah, luckily, I'm, but I, I wouldn't be the comic that if I was going to watch that, I'd want to watch a comedian who on stage is more like, because <laughs> obviously I'm going on deadpan, <laughs> and then you come off and just look like that, and it was like <laughs> it's pretty much the same. <laughs> I'd want to watch somebody who's on, you know, I'd want to watch Michael McIntyre be like, <laughs> and then come off and be like, I fucking wish I were dead. I, I can't. Because then you can really see the difference there. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. I mean, there might be a sit. We might have just accidentally pitched a, a new series here, I think. Just yeah. a different comedian each time. Let's see what they're like off stage. And it's just the backstage yeah. bits. 
and they're not, you know, they don't know they're being filmed, I think, would have to be part of it. Oh, that's part of it. Okay. And then... Yeah. They, oh, so this is a hidden camera show. This isn't scripted. This is a hidden camera show. And they don't know it's going out either. You don't get permission from them to yeah. put it out. The first they hear yeah. about it... Yeah. Is, and we're not pranking them. Just, we're just rolling to seeing what happens. Is that right? Yeah. Great. Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be quite a varied... Most of them would be boring, but I bet we'd catch a few... <laughs> Some real, yeah, be some exciting stuff, I think, and some a lot of boring stuff. Be some breaking stories, though. Let's face it. So, yeah. <laughs> I love the one. I think it's the first one. They're, don't worry, they're all they all begin with R. Yeah, uh, it's one of the ones that begins with R. Yeah, the the Torvalin Dean. I oh, the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just uh, did was that generally in Edinburgh you to, to try and fit into the hour slot, or was it just a joke? Uh, no, no, it was it, uh, it was just a joke. So uh, yeah, I just did it. Uh, I, I, I just wanted. I think my friend told me that fact that uh, yeah, when they did the Bolero, they started kneeling down because they discovered that uh, the tide, the stopwatch, only started when you got on your feet, and the song they were going to skate to was too long. So they did the first bit on their knees, and then they got up, and it's this loophole. And so my friend told me that, and at the time. I just wanted to write a show that I enjoyed. And so I decided, I'm going to start on my knees. I'm going to do that, and I'll make it about that. Um, and in the long term, a big regret, that routine, really, because um, I never at any point wore knee pads or anything like that. And you're previewing it. You're doing Edinburgh. I did yeah. New Zealand with it and Melbourne. I uh, did a tour with it and then toured it all again in preparation for the Netflix specials. And my, I remember the last week of that tour... Uh, it was in the Soho Theatre and I was just kneeling and, and there was just lightning bolts of pain while I was doing the kneeling down I just felt these like sharp stabs of pain through my knees going well it's too too late to have a knee pad now <laughs> you've done it now you might as well get to the end of it um, wow but yeah, so how are your knees now? I think they're alright they're still yeah. quite red but that is my <laughs> knees isn't it? Uh. I hope that's just knees it depends how much kneeling you're doing I think in your day to day life I think, that, I think if you don't kneel much they're not that red really? yeah I don't think the knees are naturally sort of russet I think they become red oh really through, through, through friction maybe I've kept Fri- it up more than yeah. I thought <laughs> been kneeling quite a bit <laughs> can't really kick the habit every now and again oh. need a quick kneel <laughs> Well, they're well worth watching. It's amazing to have... I mean, and what's amazing about Netflix now, and we were talking about this backstage, early in the history of Netflix, there was someone at Netflix who really loved me, and I got four of my specials on... My stand-up shows on... Um, I won't call them specials, but they were four just average stand-up shows from me, which, to another comedian, would be very special. Uh, and uh, they were, and they kept on emailing and said, "Oh, people love it here." And then they, and it was before Netflix was a thing. And like as you were saying backstage in America, it was sort of viewed as a joke, yeah. a little bit. People were laughing at it. And he, he emailed me and said, "Have you got any other ideas? Anything you'd like to? Because we've got a bit of money. We're trying stuff out." And I kind of asked, gave it to my agent. And said, it's only Netflix. <laughs> but what's nice for you, James, having arrived at the right end of the Netflix, uh, is. <laughs> Yeah. The, like this is shown all over the world so you're touring to America quite soon right you've been there once yeah and going end back. of March I go on a, yeah. a short little American tour yeah and so it's viable now to tour the world really because of the and like loads of comedians are finding this there's a lot of comedians now on Netflix and that yeah I absolutely love it also because of like I mean we talk about it on the food podcast a lot but obviously you know I like trying food in different countries so mainly the main because I think if, if your main uh, 
if when you go abroad and work somewhere, your main goal is I'm going to be huge, I'm going to be a star. You're only going to be disappointed and it's going to like, it's going to kick the shit out of you. But if I'm going, I'm going to eat some food <laughs> when I'm there and there's this place I want to go to and this place. I just have a much nicer time yeah. and I can eat some nice food and then, you know, go and do a gig and feel like, oh, I don't think they're going to get me here and then eat some more food yeah. and it's all right. So like, yeah, that's uh, mainly what I'm going to be doing. That's good. But your last, maybe was the last time you there, you've been on the James Corden show out there and the yeah. Conan out there. yeah. And so is that just doing the stand-up section, or was it? Were you just doing the stand-up sections. No one's wanting to hear interviews with me in America yeah, yeah, at the moment. I mean, that's absolutely insane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've done the stand-up sections there. Uh, I'd, I'd say, uh, I mean, you can watch you can watch them on YouTube, and it's two very different uh, reactions. Uh, the James <laughs> Corden audience have been amped up within an inch of their lives. I think it's like fair to say <laughs> they're like properly like you know. They don't, they don't know what's going on, but they, if you leave a pause, they're going to applaud it. <laughs> and so there's a lot of me kind of like doing a setup, getting an applause for the setup, and, and then going, fair enough. <laughs> Just telling them, yeah, okay, fair play, guys. Uh, a lot of that in that one. But then in the. Um, <laughs> I think I talked about it during the Edinburgh podcast, but yeah, in the Conan one, it's just me trying not to shit myself because I had food poisoning. But uh, <laughs> well, the audience don't really laugh at me. Did you meet Diane Keaton and Andy Garcia on the? On I the... passed them in the corridor, and yeah. I had to just not engage. No one told me that, but I knew that if I if I said anything to Diane Keaton, I would just go on about Annie Hall, and then I would uh, ruin everything for myself because I would. I would I, I'd literally. I know exactly how it would have played out. I would have seen her and go, I love you in Annie Hall. Annie Hall's such a good movie. Obviously, I don't watch it now because, you know, it's Woody Allen. Uh, <laughs> and then it would have... Then everything would have... Oh, sorry. It's probably a friend of yours. I don't know where you stand on the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy Garcia, I know yeah. what I would have said. I, I would have asked him, I would have said, hey, I saw the film Passengers with... Uh, it's got uh, it's Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt in it. It's not a very good film, but right at the end, there's like a, a different crew. Yeah. And you're the captain of that crew. And you don't have a line, you just look in the room and then you walk away. What's going on there? <laughs> Were you just on set doing another thing and they went, Andy, this will be funny, come in. Or did you go in specially for that? Because I can't remember. Either way, you're either really cool yeah. or you were just knocking around and did it or you're more desperate than you need to be for Andy Garcia. But you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have left the house for that. I hope you didn't. Also, that is a bad film. It's a bad film that could have been brilliant and it yeah. annoys me. The films that annoy me the most are the ones that could have been amazing and then they miss the mark and then they make something that's... Nah. I don't care. If it's complete shit, I'm kind of... I'm not as wound up. Whereas yeah. Passengers... Have you seen, is, I don't know if I've seen, seen Passengers. passengers. Michael Sheen's in it. Michael Sheen's in it. From the Stone Clearing podcast. Yeah. He's very good. He's a robot in it. But uh, the thing about it is, is that they're all like asleep on a ship in like some sort of hibernation and they're on their way to this utopian planet and they're all going to wake up when they get there. But then something goes wrong and one of them wakes up early and it's Chris Pratt and he's on his own on this big ship and he's lonely, and he's falling in love with another woman who's asleep, and he wants her to be with him, so he wakes her up, but doesn't tell her he's woken up, it makes her think it was a mistake as well, and then she falls in love with him, and then he has sex with her, and then later on she discovers that he had actually done this, because they're both going to die now as well, they can't make the planet, so they're now both, so he's killed her, and 
I don't want to bring no. tone down too much, but he's essentially raped her, he so has. it's horrible. <laughs> really, really dark. Yeah. But they don't play it off as dark. <laughs> it's just like, well, you did that to me, and now I've fallen out of you. And, um, <laughs> and she goes off, and she's not talking to him anymore. And he's feeling bad about it. <laughs> and I just kind of feel that really, you can still do that film where one of them wakes up, he's on his own, and he's going crazy, he's on his own, and then he wakes her up because he needs company, uh, and then he falls in love with her, and then she discovers it, and she's like, get away from me. And then he, he should turn crazy at that point. Yeah, exactly. And be a demented madman who's got her on this ship, because he's a bad guy. Yeah. It should be the bad guy from then on, and the villain that she's got to defeat. So that he, but instead, they just like, they make up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's what a, the fuck is that? There's, well, the, the, it turns out the ship would have been destroyed because whatever the thing that... So he's sort of... I don't know if The, I the film justifies his action in hindsight by saying, oh, if he hadn't raped you and tried to murder you, essentially, you would have died anyway. So he's, he is... We all die anyway. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He so, is well, good, so you of, can... You Regardless can... of what anyone has done to you in your life, you were going to die anyway. <laughs> but I agree. It's like it's, it starts off, and you think it might go that way, and that's the way it definitely should have gone. I bet should have gone that way. I bet in the first script it went that yeah. way. And Tiffany someone's Rewrites. going, "Oh, we can't have Chris Pratt being yeah. a murderer." Yeah. Well, how I don't cast Chris Pratt then? <laughs> I like him as much as the next person. Well, actually, not. He's going a bit nuts now, isn't he? Going full on Crizzo. <laughs> Really weirdly Christian. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Mark. No, no, no. You're many, right, though. It is uh... many Christians that are like my parents are Christians, but like you know, I'm just saying, he's he's real. He's really uh, he's started to unravel a little bit. I, I was unaware of that aspect of his. But in a way, in, in that kind of way that you don't trust with celebrities now, you know, you kind of think something. That'll happen to you. You're going to Amer- you're going to America. You're going to come back from America a different person. Come back a Christian. Yeah. It's quite suit me though. <laughs> I was raised Christian anyway. Yeah. I've still got all the... You know all the stuff already. Oh, uh, I know all the words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I could... What point did on. you lose your uh, faith? Uh, during a dessert I had. It's a sort of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, mid-twenties. Mid-twenties? Gradually throughout my twenties. So, right. I, I'd say, like, my late teens... Uh, I started to doubt it. Right. And then That's kind quite of, late, James. Yeah, it's quite late. I mean, some people stay believing it. Or the Pope, for example. Yeah. All his life he's all believed life. it. So you're better than him. Better than, better than him, yeah. <laughs> it's still quite late. Like, um, but I wanted to... I, I, I think I just wanted everything to be make sense and be good. And uh, in my late teens, I started thinking, oh, maybe... Yeah, maybe this isn't all true. But then I did like a, a last-ditch kind of like, let's just really convince ourselves. Yeah. And really went into like, I think I, I had this book. I can't remember what it was called now. It was the by, Bible? By, uh, by a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ringing the bell, actually. <laughs> it's by a guy called Ravi Zacharias. Okay. It was all like, just... It was might as well have been called Trust Me It's True. <laughs> and uh, I read that and that reassured me for a yeah. while. And uh, then just gradually I was like, uh, maybe I don't believe in this bit of it. Maybe I don't believe in this bit. And eventually yeah. it was like, 
I don't believe in this stuff. And I uh, just had to like, yeah, accept that I didn't anymore. Yeah. But it was, it was quite gradual. I didn't want to let go of it. Um, had you had sexual intercourse before ooh, this point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, again, like, I, I, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21. Right. Like, and it was probably partly to do with that stuff. I wasn't holding out for marriage, but I was holding out for being in love. Sure. So I was like, not until I'm in love. And I really held out. And then the first person I was in love with slept with her. And then a week later, she was back with her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, there is no God. And then that started, <laughs> started the rest of it. That was God testing you. Yeah. That, my ex-boyfriend, that was Jesus. Oh, it was, <laughs> was Jesus. He was, te- he was testing you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he was testing you by sleeping with your girlfriend. That explains he the holes good. in his hands. various <laughs> things that he always made me touch. Called me a doubter. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 no. I thought I was and were you doing comedy? That's what, what, how old were you when you started doing stand-up? 23. Okay. Started doing stand-up. Uh, I, I don't actually... Probably when I was 21, 22, I like, did my first gig, but I wasn't going to be a comedian. Were you a virgin when you did your first stand-up gig? Good question. <laughs> no. Uh, but only by... Three or either by a year or by a month I'm not sure because it depends what year I did if I was 21 or 22 but like yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I'd only had sex with one person yeah. when I did my first stand-up gig <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about that before <laughs> in that context I find it hard to imagine you I've tried to imagine it today me having sex yeah I find it hard yeah. to imagine I, try, and I tried really hard to imagine it's it it's very hard to imagine I, I just couldn't imagine it everyone I've had sex with just goes I never would have imagined this <laughs> I mean it's true it's of most surreal. people really when you think about it. most people it's sort of weird thinking that I can imagine you having sex can you imagine it it's yeah. like this. imagine that bit of hair you've got kind of just goes in front of your face <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd start with that, yeah. That's what it is. It's anger in your face. <laughs> Just constantly, even though you're having sex with that person, you're constantly bringing up people who wouldn't have sex with you in the past. <laughs> I'll tell you who else won't have sex with me. We're having sex. Can you appreciate this, please? very much what it's like ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. What a Let's ask you some uh, uh, hypothetical questions. <laughs> oh, actually, I've got some in the back of here. I want to ask you... Uh, well, this, the first one is uh, one I wanted to ask uh, based on uh, my interview with John Ronson, if anyone was here for that one or has heard it at home, um, which was John Ronson in his podcast. He talks about people uh, who get tailor-made pornography right, for their particular fetish. They, get, they pay porn actors wow. to act stuff out, but wow. that's not commercially or available anywhere else. So if, if you do want to imagine me having sex... <laughs> I can pay someone to put on a, you your, a James A. Caston mask. If the money's right, mate, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to look at the camera while you're saying, you go, Rich, this is for you. Yeah. As you do, Rich. Rich. Yeah. It's what I say anyway yeah. when I'm having sex. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just before the moment of climax every time. Shout out, Rich, this is for you. I have to explain who Rich is afterwards. Richard Herring, you know. You say that, but now there's going to be a tiny part of your brain that will have to be thinking every time. <laughs> every... Oh, yeah. If I'm lucky enough to ever do the dance again, that phrase will pop into my head at some point. Good. Is there anything you would like to have made for you specially by porn stars? Or, you know, you know, or do you think it would be funny too if you haven't got a fetish you want to... Yeah, if it would be funny. Um... I'd say I'm ne- I've never really... I don't know... I've never, I've been really understood fetishes or never. I mean, I understand mm. them, but I've never, I don't think I've got one. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, don't, I think I understand them, but like, but like, I, don't, I, I was on holiday with a bunch of people recently, and one of them could not get a, she was like, <laughs> she was saying, they were quite posh, and she was like going, uh, I don't understand. Some people do it up the arse. <laughs> and we we're like, yeah. She was like, I mean, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, that's fairly route one. That's not like a well, that's route two, but like, but, it's, it's, <laughs> but that's entry level. <laughs> <laughs> three, it's three. It's the third entry level. Yeah. Third level of entry. <laughs> <laughs> It is the third level of entry, sorry. Yeah. But yes, it's, it's something that I think... But I was as, uh, uh, as surprised at her being surprised that people have an anal sex as she yeah. was about people having anal sex. Wait till she has anal sex, then she's going to be surprised. I'm doing this. <laughs> um, I understand fetishes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an unusual one that you would that isn't catered for in pornography so isn't catered I mean, I mean you'd think have, everything's catered for you yeah think, you would think so to have one that's not catered for in pornography I mean and this is no judgement to anyone but like I would probably start to get concerned about myself <laughs> <laughs> if I uh, if I googled something pornographic and it came up with no results <laughs> well, okay I, that uh, could be Dave Gorman's next show Google yeah. the Google wank ah <laughs> 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 uh, Right, send that to task. <laughs> uh, there's no pornography of people being wanked off by ventriculist dummies. That's all I know. There's, is there there's none? None of that. That's I imagine. 
imagine that has not been made. So I would make, I'd definitely make that. After the James Acaster <laughs> looking. Combine the two. Now I'm going to, you know, the joke's on me. I'm going to think about you looking at me next time I'm having sex. This is for you, Mitch. I'm going to be thinking of you yeah. looking at me. And one of us is in a relationship, so yours is, that's happening soon. Ah, <laughs> uh, but we've got two kids, so it could be a while. Uh, <laughs> right, another new emergency question. Um, uh, what is the weirdest reason you ever skived off school? Did you ever skive off school as a good Christian lad in Ketchum? Yes, yes, I think, good Christian boy, so I didn't really, but once I did, so it's only once ever. Okay. And that was, uh, but it was for like quite a wholesome, nice reason, so okay. it's not really, so uh, at lunchtime, I was in sick form, I did one year of sick form before stopping, and uh, I just hadn't enjoyed that morning, didn't like it. My friend Wayne, who had already left school, uh, he, he, uh, he turned up at lunchtime and was like, uh, what, what are you up to? He was like, nothing. I, I, I don't feel really want to go back for the second half. He went, well, why don't you just hang out with me? I was like, what are we going to do? He said, I thought I'd go for a walk in the countryside. <laughs> I was like, all right. So we went for a walk yeah. just in the country, just re- <laughs> remarking on how nice and beautiful nature was. And, and just like, you know, I, I thought I was... I, I used the word deep too many times as a teenager about myself. I was like, I'm really deep, actually. And it would be because I could look at a tree and go, look at that beautiful tree. Wayne, don't you think that tree is beautiful? We're both talking about it. There's no girls here. And I'm still telling you that I think the tree is beautiful. Aren't I a deep person? Uh, and, and I remember we bought a packet of custard creams on that walk. Um, so we went... For a village called Grafton Underwood, which is where uh, I think Bridget Jones's diary is, or Bridget Jones is from there in, in the book, uh, is near my house. And we went to Grafton Underwood, went to the post office, bought some custard creams, and we sat on a bench and we shared them. And there was a crane, uh, like a, you know, it's in a, mechan- a crane, as in one of those, not, not, a, not the bird, it's a crane. And we saw it and we went, oh, imagine uh, stealing that crane and spending all day just picking people up for a, <laughs> for a laugh. And then we really laughed <laughs> for ages while eating these custard creams on a bench, imagining just pick, some people walking along and then just whoop. Really thought that was funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then, yeah, I got home quite late and my mum was like, where have you been? I was like, school. <laughs> As if I was like, me and Wayne went for a walk in the countryside and ate some custard creams and she'd go, you're grounded. <laughs> But, you know, you wouldn't have remembered whatever was on that afternoon at school, would you? Can you remember that? No, I wouldn't have remembered it. I'd already decided that I wasn't going to do the second year of sixth form. So, I mean, in a way, that was quite a big sky. Yeah. My dad had made the deal with me. year of school. My dad had said, because I didn't want to stay on sixth form at all. I wanted to just immediately be in bands and uh, be William Strawberry and whatever. (laughs) And my, my dad was like, do one year of sixth form, and if by the end you want to quit, then fine. But if by the end you want to do the second... And he thought, well, he'll just do... When he's done one year... He'll do the second year because you might as well. Yeah. And then at the end, I literally went, held up my end a bit, Dad. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, well done. You are more, more determined than I thought. So I just quit. And then, uh, and then yeah, joined the Capri Sun Quartet and other yeah. bands. But, uh, so I already knew by that point, I'm not staying on. I'm not going to do the whole thing. So I thought I might as well skive. So I only skived when I knew it was no yeah, consequence yeah. to me whatsoever. That's interesting. So like, you would, the, mu- the music was quite a serious yeah. idea for you. Well, your... everything like, at, at that point, so I because I did because I did think I was deep I thought about dying all the time <laughs> some of those kids and, and I was like I'm going to die one day no point doing it doing, have, living in life doing stuff I don't want to do 
I thought, I want to be in a band, so I'm just going to do it. So it wasn't even like a serious career thing. Yeah. It was just like, I want to just, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. And plan A, plan A all the way. And then when I was 22, I was like, I need a plan B because this band's failed. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no qualifications. I was like, I started doing stand-up. But uh, yeah, until, until then it was... A lot of stand-ups want to be in bands. I mean, a lot of stand-ups love music and want to be in bands. Sure. It does, and a few of them start uh, start off in bands and do go, then go into stand up. Yeah, I think stand up's way better than being in a band. I think it's better now. Yeah, although I'm a bigger fan, a bigger fan of music. Right, I like, cause I, that's because I probably can't just sit around watching stand ups all the time. I'm doing stand up all the time. I'd go insane yeah. if I was doing it and watching it constantly. <laughs> so I relax by listening to music, and I love being a fan of music. But in terms of like actually doing the thing, I way prefer stand up. Oh my god, like. Uh, I, I, I'm doing a, a, another kind of podcast thing at the minute and writing a book about music and like speaking to a lot of bands and they're bands I really admire that have done amazing uh, albums but uh, yeah I can't envy any of them it's, a, it's tough yeah and when you're a washed up musician you can't just get younger musicians in and like sing a song at them <laughs> you have to you have some to of them do <laughs> Tom Jones had a I suppose he did yeah <laughs> second wave did not he he did that's true um I'm not going to ask the question I was thinking of. Uh, if you, if you uh, only had a week to live, and I know you're obsessed with death, yeah. who would you tell to go fuck themselves? Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, my uh, year seven form tutor. Oh, yes. Yeah, b- believe me, hated her. Uh, right. I'd find her and tell her to go fuck herself, and I'd say that... Because uh, I know that she still works as a teacher, and I'd say that it's a disgrace that she's still in the profession, and she should be utterly ashamed of herself bullying 11 year old kids yeah I'd say that to her well it's all interesting because one of my other new questions is what's the worst thing a teacher ever said to you at school and it sounds like it may be yeah. something that that you lady said to you think you're it oh, really she said to me you think you're it <laughs> it's like an episode of The Office or something I'm getting told off by David Brent <laughs> you think you're it mate I've got news for you you're not I mean I'm it's 11 weird... in this story yeah 11 years old and guess what I'd done I'd I'd, I'd uh, at one point, I'd breathed quite loudly during the spelling test. Right. And she thought it was me going, easy spellings. <laughs> <laughs> so sent me out. Right. And come out like, you think you're it. And it was literally, there was a bit, I remember during the thing back and forth, me and her, me going, Miss, you can ask my dad, I've got a heart murmur. I, 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 I breathe heavy. <laughs> It was bad. There was a kid in the class called Barry who was actually naughty. Who would, he would swing on two legs on his chair and he had a metal ruler and he'd just smack it off the side of his desk and take chunks out of it. Right. Didn't go near him. Yeah. Let Barry do what he wanted. <sighs> Get the hell out of this classroom. <laughs> see you outside. It's interesting though, from a teacher, this happens a lot, I think, with teachers. And like mm. you're stuck in that job. I'm not trying to defend her. I sure. mean, maybe I am a little bit. I don't know, but I'm just I'm just thinking that she, you know, you see these kids full of hope and life and yeah, you know, ha- having fun. Yes, and if you're a certain personality, probably the kind of personality who shouldn't be a teacher. Yeah, then you know, you take out. I remember my friend Phil Fry always. We we all messed. Around. I mean, I messed around till all the way through school. Yeah, but my friend Phil Fry was always you know full of joy de vivre and and. Uh, and messed about and Mr. Habgood said one day Philip Fry you're going to wake up and no one's going to find you funny anymore 
And that says more about Mr. Habgood, doesn't it? Than yeah, because a lot he's, more about Because he's saying that day came to Mr. Habgood. Yeah. And it came pretty early for Mr. Habgood. Yeah. I think it may, yeah, yeah. may have been the first day he woke up. No more. <laughs> after his no birthday, one found him it? funny anymore. Yeah, and, you know, I still find Phil Fry funny, so... Yeah. So also, Mr. Habgood's wrong so far. So what you're saying is... It's weird though to be that mean, but then you must—it yeah. must be you're sort of a, as a teacher. And I wouldn't—I'd yeah. have been a teacher if I wasn't doing this or that. So what all the rest yeah. of my family do? You if must you feel teacher, trapped. In if it. you were a teacher, Rich, do you yeah. think you would be looking at the young kids having fun and be bitter about them? <laughs> <No>. at, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Tell them that they want to be funny one day. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, uh, no, I don't think I would. I like children. It's when it's the yeah. grown-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, my daughter messes around all the time, and I can't. I'm meant to be. Yeah, I'm meant to, to say now that's not funny. Yeah, but I, if I do it, I'm laughing. It's funny. Yeah, like, but it's like I wish so often. So it's not a good film, but the butterfly effect. I keep on referencing bad films, yeah. but like, but butterfly effect has a bit in it where Ashton Kutcher has gone back in time, yeah. but he is himself as a child. And there's uh, the guy, I've forgotten his name, Eric Stoltz, I think. He was nearly Martin McFly. But oh, yes, he, yeah, so he is like an abusive father in it. And it's going to basically take some awful pictures of these kids. And Ashton Kutcher's one of them. And he basically has the mind of an adult man. Right. So he takes him down because he has the maturity to be like, hey, mate, this isn't cool. And the guy's like, ah, I can't handle it. Yeah. And so often I wish that as a kid, I had those moments where Miss Hearn could have... Oh, that's her name. Miss Hearn... <laughs> could, have, could, have come into me, could have come into that room and gone, you think you're it. I'll go, I'm 11, miss. You're 23 years old and you're essentially bullying me because I'm the little sensitive kid in class. You know, I dare have a go at that bigger kid. You should be utterly ashamed of yourself and quit teaching. Are we fucking done here? I would have loved it, but I can't do it. Maybe you can do it. I could probably still go back now. Go back now. It was have less. <laughs> if I just interrupted a lesson. You could go back in. Yes, roll as in. a child. Yeah. Just go in deep, go undercover. Yeah. As a kid. Uh, spend about six months pretending you're a child. Yeah. So very tall, Miss. She won't remember you from. Yeah. yeah. She, go, oh, she might think you're your son or something. Yeah. In it's not like my, my face is anywhere now. <laughs> You'd have to disguise. She won't have seen me in years. <laughs> Just disguise yourself a bit and maybe walk on your knees. Oh, that'd be a yeah, problem. Yeah, walk on my knees. Yeah, oh. that, yeah it's because that exactly. All that training though pays <laughs> off finally. <laughs> and then you can just then, then when she comes, you're six months in. Yeah, but you might just find you're enjoying school. Yeah, I might be you like, might like it this time. Paying attention actually. this time, man. It's I'm quite good. Stay actually. in this. Yeah, see this through. Do oh, my no, sixth form. See what happens. Absolutely rip her apart. What a horrible woman. Just horrible. <laughs> it wasn't just that thing. There's loads of things. I got detention because Joe Devlin turned around and looked at me. <laughs> detention. I didn't even know it happened. I was writing and then I heard, Joe and James, you've got detention. So I looked up. <laughs> and she, I told him not to look at you again. It's like, well, okay, fair play if you want to give him one. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> like, just sitting here doing my work. Plus, like, I, I'd not got in trouble at all in no. primary school. Like, very good kid. So suddenly, year seven, first year of secondary school, and getting detentions and being a little Christian boy. Yeah. Like, that was upsetting. 
Sure. Oh, man. I, I think see, about I her way too good. often still. Like, <laughs> I... Something seems to have stayed with you a little bit. It was, I, it was, it was, it was quite but a question to ask me, actually. Yeah. But do, you, just, she, do you think she's spotted... Maybe she's just spotted you as the, the, the little stool pigeon weak, the weakest person, yeah. so she can make an example of you so the others all behave. And yeah. She knows you're not going to miss Well, I heard someone had told... Because my dad's a teacher, so he gets inside goss. <laughs> and someone had said that the year before was her first year of teaching right. and they'd run rings around her. Yeah. So it was like, right, next second year... I'm going to take someone out or become everyone's bitch. <laughs> or I'll take out him, yeah. who looks like he's on the verge of an emotional breakdown anyway. <laughs> Probably he's a good one to go for. Yeah. Uh, and then went, went, just went for someone she knew was just going to take the, take the beating. Ugh. But did you ever take part in taking down one of those weak teachers yourself? You know, maybe, there's a, uh, maybe there's some karma in that. There was definitely no. teachers that I made their life... Like this is the hell. thing. It's like I didn't like. There was one teacher, Mr. White, who we had in my first year science teacher, and everyone just didn't do what he said, and it was insane. It was like Lord of the Flies, <laughs> and like I think once I, and very out of character, like I pushed a chair over because like I basically got in trouble for something that someone else had done, and again it was it, it was kind of that thing of like it was echoes of Miss Heard because it, it, it went it, someone else had done something. He turned around and went, okay, James, because he knew I would. Yeah, if you told me to get out, I yeah. would. Yeah, yeah. So James get out. I was like, I'm tired of this shit. And pushed a stool over as I walked out. And he was like, that's not like you. I was like, oh, really? But that fucking was, was it? Earlier on. What I'm in trouble for? Think it through, white. <laughs> Join the dots. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> that's the naughtiest thing I remember doing. Yeah. But, like, I was obsessed with being good obsessed with That's it so unfair but to the point where actually 2017's breakdown was mainly due to that <laughs> mainly due to me like I've got to get everything right I've got to get everything right and then not being able to keep on top of that anymore so you know maybe Miss Herm was trying to do me a favour early doors well, just get, think... get in trouble it's not so bad <laughs> I was like it is I bad. think there's a awful. sort of element where maybe adults are trying to you know move you on to a next level by do you know what I mean by Mm. It doesn't. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm stretching a little bit. They're Mister Miyagi or something. And yeah. they'll be like, "Oh, it was all part of this." Like, no, it wasn't. You just wanted your fence painted. <laughs> just looking back and trying to make sense of it. You're lucky that they turned into some karate moves. You're as fluky as I am that that worked out for both of us. <laughs> but we're lucky. Like we do a job that we basically like most of the time. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just sort of think that's, you know, I had a doctor who just like seemed really grumpy about, you know, you coming in with, oh, sure. you know, illnesses. Yeah, they get annoyed with yeah. that. <laughs> you go, this is what it's about. Yeah. You came in with two or three. They go, no, you know, you can't yeah. come in with three. So we can come in with two. I can't do three. We're neurotic as comics. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're more, you know, we're regulars. So yeah. when they see us going, not you again, you are not ill. <laughs> they get annoyed at it. But like, if Miss Home was ever in a gig, I'd point. But like, <laughs> one of my old school teachers came to see me once at a gig, and it was someone I really liked, and, yeah. that, and she absolutely ruined the show. It was heartbreaking. It was in Cambridge at the Cambridge Junction. Oh, yeah. And she was able to sit on the front row and put her feet on the stage like that. So I came out, 
and someone else had their feet on the sofa, right, I'm going to have to deal with this early doors. And you kind of see the feet first, so you go up the body, yeah. and then at the end, it's your teacher's face <laughs> who's taught you for seven years. And I kind of saw her, and she, but she was looking at me. And by the mind, it's a teacher I've always got on with, but she was looking at me, and her face basically just said, what the fuck are you going to do about that? <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. So I kind of like referenced, oh, my old teacher's here. And then for the whole show, her and her friends were just hammered <laughs> and just I like, would get up every now and again and go go to the toilet hold on a second Jane go to the toilet I'm just doing that and walking around and shouting to each other and go hey, what's over for the bar like from the, from the door and I was there trying to get it was a kneeling down show as well yeah. so at one point there was a bit where I was knelt down and they, they were stood up and they were higher than me <laughs> just and all this and then afterwards I was still on Facebook back then and I had a DM from a Facebook message going, uh, that was great. Do you want to meet up for a drink? We're in the bar across the road. And I was like, oh, we've had to go home. Lie. We've had to go home. Can't stay for a drink. And she was like, fair enough. Great show. All the people next to us had a go at us after. Said that we ruined the show. But everybody fucking squares. <laughs> and I went, you did ruin the show. Which feels really good yeah. to say that to an old school teacher who's yeah. like, always had like, authority over you. Yeah, you did ruin it. And the, but because though that's the power balance is that she's normally... So she was went, no, I didn't. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, yes, you, you did, but whatever. She went, I didn't. Everyone's being too uptight, and you, yourself included. We're having a laugh. It's a comedy show. I was like, okay. And normally I'd let that go. If it's a normal member of the audience tweeting me or something, you just let it go. But you're like, I, for some reason, cannot... Like, so I, I, I went, go on Twitter. Have you got Twitter? Go on Twitter. Search my name on it. <laughs> See what everyone's saying about the gig right now. <laughs> she searched it, and everyone's just saying utterly appalling behaviour from his ex-teacher. She went, they're a bunch of squares. Everyone's... <laughs> You've got a bunch of squares in your audience, and everyone just needs to loosen up. And it went on for days. <laughs> it was days of, of her just going, you're wrong! Well, she's sober at this point. <laughs> you're wrong! I didn't ruin the gig. And, and me going... Miss, please could you just respect the fact that I am now a professional comedian and maybe I know a bit more than you do what constitutes ruining a comedy gig. She's like, no, you're wrong. And eventually I had to send her a newspaper review of the gig. (laughs) That just said in great detail how much she ruined the night for everybody who was there. And then she conceded because a journalist wrote it. No, maybe you're right. I did. I, I did ruin a night for you. But then she still went, I'll still come and see you again. <laughs> Please don't. I've already ruined my memories of being taught by you in school. You don't need to come again. Oh, dear. Maybe she's coming. I don't know. She might be here tonight. But like, she's not um, like... She's behaving herself if she is. Yeah, yeah. But, I think uh... she might have come and seen Ray Peacock's <laughs> podcast. Uh, but... Uh... <laughs> Oh, look, it's been lovely to see you again. I think, oh, dear, we've gone on for ages. Oh, but I'm so, so much it's fun. It's been lovely. It's lovely. You must come back again. Maybe you could bring uh, Ed Gamble with you and we could talk about food and stuff. Yeah, it's a trick. I think it's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... You I'm... come in... Put us on I'll just talk about that. Yeah. I think I'd... I don't, I think I'd go for bread. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most people do go for bread, but uh, yeah. I can't reveal what my choice would be. I'd okay. have to stay... Partial. As, a genie, as a genie, I have you to be are a genie, genie waiter. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic podcast. 
the, the book, which we haven't mentioned this time, which we talked about on the Edinburgh Fringe podcast, is, uh, I noticed my quote for that is front and centre on his... It is on the... On the website. Oh, Very good quote I gave for a great it. quote. I mean, it's almost as good as the book. Uh, and, uh, it's a very, very funny book. Uh, and I'm sure you're going to go from strength to strength. Do check out the Netflix specials. And the, the live show, is, is it to in the UK again? Or have you... Is it... Torn it from end of May onwards. Okay, I am, cool. yeah. Great. Well, you must see that. It's all about... It's, it's more really about you rather than... Yeah, this is a this is a all real-life true story yeah. show. Uh, yeah, so it's been fun. It's yeah, been fun doing a different thing. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up the amazing James A. Caster! <laughs> you have been listening to Rahul Astapa with me, Rich Turing, and my guest, James A. Caster. The music is by Pest. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, everyone at Go Faster Stripe and SkyPotato.com, and everyone at Acast and the British Comedy Guide as well. You're all lovely people. My, I'm indebted to my producer, Gwyn Reese davis uh, and my other producer... I forgot his name, uh, Ben Walker, something like that. He's, he's not been around for a while. I don't know who he is anymore. It is a Sky Potato, GoFastTheStrike.com and Fuzz Production. Go to Rahulastapa.co.uk and you can find out much more about this show. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye. <laughs>